there's no prize or, or shame or, uh, or, or joy or, or sorrow if you get it wrong, but what, were, what, what, we, uh, what did we cover last week? There were two helps, so name one of them. That's easy, right? We need help for prayer, and there was the, the first one that we walk, went, walked through was meditation. Thank you. Who said that? All right. Thank you. And what do we say about meditation? How did it help our prayer life? What does meditation feed on? The Word of God. And what does meditation fuel? Prayer. So it's the bridge, really, between, between the Word of God, which is where we get our instruction, our understanding, uh, everything we, we need to know we, we have from the Word of God. We meditate on that, and it reveals, the Lord reveals through His Spirit, through His Word, truths about us and about, our, about Him and about us. And then that fuels our prayer life. And so that, that gives us what we need to say. It reveals our weakness. It reveals the strength of God. So again, meditation is a big help for our prayer life. Otherwise, we don't really know what, uh, we don't know the one we're asking things from, and we don't know what we need, unless we see it in the Word. And then what was the second thing that we talked about? Oh boy, a plan, a plan, structure. And we said that the structure of our prayer life is not the end of our prayer life, it's really just the beginning of our prayer life. But without a plan and a purpose, uh, most, most of us will not be successful in anything, let alone our prayer life. Uh, we'll get before the Lord when we get to it, or when we get around to it, which is probably rarely if we don't plan and think about it, we'll, we'll end up in a crisis. We'll cry out to the Lord then. But what we need to do is have a structure and a plan so that we can, uh, we can uh, accomplish what we want to, which is to commune with God, to ask him for help, and to, and to praise him for who he is and what he does. And I learned, too, from last week. I brought my own water this week. One more thing, Um, this isn't about a guilt trip again, Uh, I'm in this with you and we have uh, prayer, we we learned that prayer is a hard thing, the scripture tells us that it's hard, Uh, our own hearts tell us that it's hard, the saints of old have told us that it's hard, but uh, we're in this together and a holy dissatisfaction with even a good prayer life is a good thing. Because we, we ought to want to uh, commune more with God, to learn more of God, and to ask more of God. Because that God gets honor and glory when we bow before him and ask for help, and then he gives us what we need. So uh, a prayer life is, is, uh, is a good thing to, to realize our need for God and for his, uh, his glory and giving us what we need. But even with the encouragement that we have and the aids that we talked about last week, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is what do, what do we do when we're still discouraged with our prayer life? And you have a blank there. There's an antidote for discouragement. 
and it's the promises of God. And so uh, you can turn, if you'd like, to Matthew, 5, Matthew 7, 7 through 12, and I'll try and uh, read it for you or quote it for you. But he says there, <clears throat> ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Uh, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks shall find, everyone who knocks it shall be opened unto them. Uh, and then he gives the, the, uh, uh, the uh, illustration. He said, uh, for which of you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for uh, a fish, will you give him a serpent? And, and of course the answer, the rhetorical answer, uh, rhetorical question, no way, you wouldn't do that. And then he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And you'll recognize that that is the, the golden rule. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But you notice what he does here in the, um, in the verb tense. Uh, he goes, he says, ask, not, ask, seek, and knock. And all three of those are the same tense. They're, they're a, uh, a present active, I believe. Where's Jeremy when I need him? Uh, he's, the, he's the grammarian around here. But, but they're increasing in their, in their order of intensity. Ask, oh, there you are. You're sitting in the wrong place. Ask, and then seek, and then knock. So there's an increase in the intensity there. And, and then he does, he does the argument from the lesser to the greater. He says, if you, being evil, uh, know how, not only know, but give good gifts to your children, how much more so, you, so your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to those that ask him? And there's another point there. He doesn't give them to those that are that are able to articulate their prayers in a way that, that is persuasive of him or, or so intense that we knock down the door and, and he has to give us what we want. He said those who ask. So the ones who get what we need from God are the ones that ask. And, and he describes us as evil, and yet we will give good things to our children. And then he contrasts us with our father, who's a good provider, and he was in heaven, and therefore he has all the resources that he needs to give to us. And he says, uh, our Father is a powerful provider, and he gives good things. Uh, and he gives to any and all that ask. And so there's our encouragement when we, when we end up uh, with a prayer life that feels like we're either not, we're not, intense enough, we're not active enough, we're not seeing the results that we want to see, remember who we're praying to. We're praying to our Father in heaven who has the resources to give to us. And then to keep persistent, I think on your notes, maybe I don't have it there, but uh, on my notes I have uh, Luke chapter 11 and chapter 18. In, in Luke 11, 5 through 13 is the, the story of the friend who the friend, we all have a friend like this, right? He has somebody that comes and visits him at night, and he doesn't have bread for him. So he goes from his house to our house, and he 
knocks on the door and he said, I've got a friend that came to visit and I don't have anything for him. Would you get up out of bed and give me some bread so I can give to him? And naturally, just like you or I, uh, this guy said, no way. <laughs> uh, you take care of him on your own. But he just kept knocking. And so he didn't give him what he wanted because he was his friend. He did it because he just kept asking. And then you go to Luke 18, and you see it again with the unjust judge who didn't fear God or man. And this widow, who he wouldn't fear either, came to him and persistently asked. And he basically said, she wore me out. Uh, I didn't give her what she wanted because uh, I fear God or because I was afraid of her or what might happen to me. It just, she was persistent. And because of that, he gave her what she needed. So that's encouragement for us to keep on praying and to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking and reminding ourselves that we have a good father. Uh, he'll give good gifts to his children. And, uh, and that then leads into the, uh, into the golden rule. He says, so whatever you ask, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And I hadn't really made this connection before I was doing this study, is that basically the foundation for us being willing to give to others what we need is a reminder that everything we need comes from our Father. And so because he's good and generous and gives us what we need, we then can, can exercise the golden rule with others because it's, it's not because we have abundance ourselves, but we can trust the the Father to give us what we need. So, uh, so that's uh, if we're discouraged, even with uh, the fact that we now uh, have a, a better handle on the fact that meditation is where we get the fuel for our prayers, and we have a structure, and we're still uh, discouraged with our results. Remind ourselves that we have a we have a Father that promises to give us what we need. So. Uh, with, with those two aids, uh, we, should be, we should be right where we need to be with our prayer life. And yet we still find that, that we get discouraged and we get uh, bored in our praying. Uh, we, get, uh, we lose our, our enthusiasm for prayer. So this next help, if you look on your uh, outline, uh, I, I, I wrote in my notes that I was a little reluctant to bring this... this uh, this, this aid to our prayer life because it's often seen as harder than prayer, and that's fasting. Uh, so I'll give you another disclaimer. If I think I said last week that I haven't yet arrived in, the, in my own prayer life, and so I'm not sitting here from, a, from an area of expertise. Well, if I haven't arrived in my prayer life, I haven't even left the station in my uh, fasting. So... Uh, don't don't believe that I'm up here and I and I fast twice a week like the uh, like the Pharisee. Uh, I do a lot of things like the Pharisee, but I don't fast <laughs> twice a week. So what is fasting? Uh, a Christian's voluntary abstinence uh, abstinence from food for a spiritual purpose and. Uh, I read somewhere, and I'll probably quote it again later if it's in my notes, uh, that fasting uh, 
isn't a spiritual hunger strike where we compel God to grant our requests. Uh, but it does have to have a spiritual serve, uh, purpose for it to be a fast, uh, a Christian fast. And those of you who do intermittent fasting and health fasting, uh, keep on doing it, but don't, don't, uh, don't delude ourselves that we're, that we're doing it for a spiritual purpose. And if we lose weight or, or gain health through fasting, that's a side benefit. Uh, but it's not our purpose in fasting. We, uh, and, and I'll give you some purposes for fasting, but uh, and fasting is absence from food. Uh, I think Ezra fasted from food and water in one of his fasts, but generally fasting is from food and not from water. That's a good reminder for me. So we can fast, we can pray without fasting, but we can't really fast without prayer because the, the spiritual purpose for our fasting is connected with us desiring it from God. And, and so fasting is a help in our communion with God and our, and our relationship with God and a reminder of, that we need God, we need Him for all things. So it can be... Uh, it can be uh, broadened from food to abstaining from any normal function for a spiritual purpose or a spiritual benefit. It could be a partial fast like Daniel did where he, he didn't eat uh, pleasant foods. Uh, it could be a fast. Uh, I'm going to be talking primarily about fasting from food, but you could fast from uh, uh, any pleasurable uh, activity uh, uh, from using your computer, from your uh, iPhone, uh, from TV, anything like that. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, there's a fasting there from uh, meritable intimacy. Uh, so you can, you can fast from many things, but I'm going to be talking primarily about food. But if you do have a health condition that doesn't, uh, doesn't allow you to fast, you can still fast by abstaining from things that we would normally find pleasurable and we would want to do, uh, but we would, we would exercise some uh, discipline with God's help to not do that so that we can have a spiritual benefit. So I'm not just limiting it to food, but I'll be talking about food. Uh, so part of the reason I think that fasting isn't seen in a better light in, uh, in our modern society is that uh, I think we look at fasting as a, as a willpower, a discipline that we work up, and then we, we exercise that and we get some result, some benefit out of that. Instead of looking at it, uh, and, and we look at it as a duty to perform, instead of a God-ordained means of grace to strengthen our Godward affections, it's given to us by God for our help in order to sharpen our, our, our hunger for God. Uh, and we know that we can eat or we can fast to the glory of God. And I've got, uh, I think I have, yeah, I do, in Romans 14, 6. He said, the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. Well, the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we can do to the glory of God. So we can fast to the glory of God. You can eat to the glory of God. It isn't the 
it is an abstinence that makes it uh, uh, makes it pleasing to the Lord. Whatever we do, we should be uh, trying to be pleasing to the Lord, since all things were created through Him and for Him. So hunger and thirst were created for the glory of God, and fasting is for the glory of God. I, one of my sources uh, for this study was a book by Piper called A Hunger for God, and he says in that that bread magnifies God by being eaten with, eaten with gratitude for his goodness and by being forfeited out of a hunger for God himself. So, so bread can be used to glorify God by we say, thank you, Father, for your goodness. Uh, and I think of Psalm 107 whenever I think of that, that... Uh, there's four times in Psalm 107 when, when the people cry out to God and then they say that they, they give, oh, give thank, oh the, that men would, be, would give thanks to God for his goodness to the children of men. So every good gift comes from the Father and we should be thankful to him for them. I'm going to do a better job of keeping up with my notes this week, I think. But there's a danger in food and just like there's a danger in fasting, uh, we can fall in love with the gift and, and, and enjoy the gift more than the giver. But in fasting, we could, we could glory in our own willpower or in the praise of men. So there's dangers wherever, whichever way we go. Uh, but I'm persuaded after my study and, and reading after uh, saints, both past and present, uh, that fasting can be a big help to our prayer life. Uh, based on uh, on what I've read in the scripture and of the testimonies of saints uh, again I think this may come from uh, it came from one of the books I was reading fasting puts an edge upon our devout affections and reveals what desires control us and it's sometimes called the hungry handmaiden of prayer uh, because it it reveals uh, whether I delight in God or do I delight in his good gifts. And that helps us to examine ourselves. And so fasting is a, is a help to us. Uh, Augustine, Luther, Calvin, Matthew Henry, Jonathan Wed Edwards, Wesley, R.C. Ryle, Spurgeon, and there were many more that I read, were all convinced of the benefits of fasting. Andrew, Andrew Murray said, with the hand of prayer, we grasp the invisible. With fasting, the other hand lets go of the visible. And so we, we, we turn our minds and our hearts, really, from, from the things that consume us, that we look at and feel and touch and taste and desire. And when we release those things, it helps reveal where our, our uh, real desires are but it, it helps us to let go of those things. And so, uh, do we delight in God as much as we delight in his good gifts? So, we can have many, many spiritual purposes for fasting. And one of the books that I read, I actually borrowed from, uh, from Randy, who borrowed it from Savannah, <laughs> on the spiritual disciplines. Uh, that. Donald Whitney had these, and then I found them in another book, and they were summarized a little better than Donald Whitney, but, but the source was Donald Whitney, so I'll give him the credit for it. 
we can strengthen our prayer life uh, like Ezra did there in 823. Uh, one of the things Ezra said there when he was fasting and praying for, for protection, he said he was ashamed to ask the king for help when he could go to God for help. So it, he strengthened his prayer time by, by fasting. Uh, seeking God's guidance. We see that in Acts in the New Testament when the uh, apostles were, uh, or the elders were looking for, uh, to send out Paul and Barnabas, I believe. There's two sections in Acts, and I get them mixed up, between 13 and 14. Uh, expressing grief in First Samuel, we see, or the death of Saul, that they, uh, the uh, David... Uh, was expressing his grief with, with fasting. So there's many, uh, many purposes, uh, and you can see them all there, and I would encourage you to look there. I made some notes about, about these, and I was going to spend some time on them, but I'm not sure I'm going to have a lot of time. So uh, the last one is expressing love and worship to God like, uh, like Anna did and like the apostles did again in in Acts 13, before, the, before they commissioned Paul and, and Barnabas, they were fasting and worshiping. So we can worship the Lord in our fasting as well. But it's an expression of our love and our worship to God uh, is, is where I want to focus. And, I'm, and in my note here, I said that all these purposes are evident and helpful for our prayer life. But I want to focus on, on the expressing love and worship to God because... That's where, we, where it fulfills our needed help in communing with God. So I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't fast in other circumstances. And, and as, as we get through here, if we get through here, uh, we'll, we'll find uh, that there's many times that we, that we should fast. One of which is mourning, uh, grieving over our sin. Uh, but... Uh, I want to press forward and try and get through. Uh, I'm just looking at the time and looking at my notes, and I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, so there is a question, and I've had this question. In fact, uh, Chris and Dan and I talked about it uh, quite a while ago. Is, is, is fasting, uh, New Testament, uh, is it something Christians do in the New Testament? Uh, is it commanded, or is it just assumed? Uh, and is it is it something that Jesus uh, commanded us to do? Well, if we look at Matthew six and Matthew nine, I think you'll find I think you'll agree with me that Jesus expected his followers to fast. He didn't exactly command uh, his disciples to fast, but he expected that. Matthew 6, in the same section where he talked about giving and praying, in 6, verse 16 through 18, he said, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen of others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward, will reward you. And then it's probably even clearer in Matthew 9, 14 through 17. When the disciples of John came to him and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? 
And Jesus said, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And then he goes on to talk about the unshrunk cloth and the new wineskins. And uh, I'm not sure I'm going to explain that to my satisfaction or yours, but I, I think what he was talking about is the, the rabbinical teaching on fasting was primarily an outward sign, and they, they actually used it to be seen of men and thought they were being approved of God. Now, that's not the Old Testament teaching, but that was where it had devolved in the time of Jesus. Uh, the Pharisees had kind of taken over that, that, that teaching role and, and were uh, more interested in the outward sign. And the, the new fasting or the new wineskins or the new garment, uh, still it was fasting, but Jesus was teaching that it was an inward act to draw us to God. And so he was basically saying you can't have a legalistic outward look and the new covenant where we're where depending on God to do the work and we're focusing on our motives and not our outward actions. So at least that's my understanding of that. But he said they will fast, and they did. Again, if you look in Acts 13 and 14, we'll see that the, uh, the early disciples were fasting. And later on, you see Paul saying that he was in fastings often. I think that was in 2 Corinthians when he was going through his litany of things that he had endured. So we know that the disciples fasted, and we know the early church fasted. And, and many of the saints of old have fasted. So it is something that, that uh, I think God, God expects us to fast and, and will reward our fasting. <clears throat> so it's clear uh, that in those instructions with, that he expected, just as he expects us to pray, just as he expects us to give, that he expects us to fast. And so, even though it's not a, a not a uh, not as ubiquitous in in teaching. In fact, it's been a long time. I, I'm not sure I've heard any teaching on fasting. Uh, not very many sermons on it. But uh, but it is something that I think uh, we all recognize the need for Christians to give and pray. And there's no evidence in the New Testament that we no longer need to fast. So. Uh, Summarizing that, I think Jesus expected us to fast. He promised to reward those who'd fast. He warned how not to fast, and he gave some instructions on how to fast, but he didn't say how long to fast or, uh, or when to fast, except that he would do it when Jesus was, uh, was no longer with them. So as far as the timing of that, uh, I think it was clear uh, that Jesus was was uh, uh, referencing himself when, when he said, you can't mourn when the bridegroom's here. When, when he's gone at the wedding feast, there wasn't time for, war, for mourning. That was the time for, uh, for feasting. And when Jesus was with his disciples, they weren't mourning that he wasn't around, so they weren't fasting in order to receive, uh, to, uh, to mourn his his loss so uh, the timing uh, the, that's the reason why there wasn't fasting while Jesus was here is because he was with his people 
and one of the real purposes of fasting is mourning, mourning our lack of, of affection for God, mourning our sins, uh, wanting uh, something more than what we have now. Well, they had Jesus at that point in time. Now, we have the Holy Spirit, but he's not present with us now. And so uh, there is a time to fast. And there does, uh, I'll give you another short quiz. Uh, there does seem to be a connection between the warning and the reward and the timing of the fast. So uh, let's, let's reread Matthew 6, 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may be seen by others and but not be seen by others, I'm sorry, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So the warning is what? It's our motive for fasting, right? So our warning is not to be seen of men and for the praise of men. So what, what is the reward then? This is the quiz. This is where you answer the reward is from God. And the reason that we're rewarded from God is because we're seen of God. And our motive is not to be seen of men. And, uh, and I did have a comment in here. Uh, we can be seen fasting without it ruining our fast. Uh, otherwise, it would, it would be almost impossible for a married person or someone who lives in a family with someone else to be uh, to fast with a proper motive. So it's our motive is you can have a motive to to be seen of men or you can be, have a motive to be seen of God. So uh, so the warning is to not be seen of men but to be uh, for the praise of men. And the reward is to be seen of God and to receive God himself. That's one of your blanks there. Uh, so our purpose, and it's tied to when, the reason they fasted is that they no longer had that, that present access with Jesus. And so when we find ourselves uh, wanting, desiring, and needing more communion with God, that's, that's a signal for us to fast. And so how should we approach fasting and prayer? It's not a, it's not a legalistic thing that we do and again, it's not something we try to twist God's arm to give us what we want. Uh, we, we can follow the Lord's prayer in a way. Uh, if I'm, Now I did it, didn't I? Yeah, I've mixed up my notes. That's all right, we'll get there. Uh, I want to come back to the Lord's prayer. Don't let me forget, Deborah. I want to come back to the Lord's prayer. But I wanted to give you a couple more warnings about how not to fast because it does seem to be a big concern with Jesus and in the Old Testament. <clears throat> There's a couple places in the Old Testament where, uh, and I, we won't have time to turn there and read, I don't think, but Zechariah 7, 5, and in Isaiah 58, they're both cases where Israel was fasting outwardly, but their actions outside of the fasting, in other words, their normal daily activities, 
didn't line up with the fast. So they were over here on the left hand. I'll do it over here. They were fasting and crying out to God. And in Isaiah 50 or 58, it says, They seek me daily. They delight to know my ways, as if there was a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments, and they delight to draw near God. That all sounds pretty good motive to me. They were, they were fasting and praying, and they wanted God. They wanted more of God. But, but in Isaiah 58, later on in Isaiah 58, he basically chastised them. They said, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And he, his answer through Isaiah was, Behold, in the day of the, your fast, you seek your own pleasure or your own desires, and you oppress all your workers. So basically, they were on one hand saying that they were after God, and they wanted to seek him and delight in him. But basically, their actions uh, belied their words. They were, they were oppressing their workers. They were seeking their own pleasure on the Sabbath day. In fact, they were profaning the, the Sabbath day. And in Zechariah uh, 7, it was, it was the same thing, but they were apparently sincere. They, they basically said, we've been doing this for 70 years, fasting twice a year for you. And, but, but he had the same complaint, that their, their activities other than their fasting was not consistent with what they were saying they were doing with their fasting. So again, it's just a warning for us uh, as we practice fasting that, that we, need to, we need to line it up with our life and have our life line up with our lips and our actions of our body that our goal is to not to be seen of men, for the praise of men. And it's not uh, like in James 4 where in James 4 he, he uh, James is basically uh, explaining to, uh, to his uh, listeners why they fight and quarrel. He said, so why are you fighting and quarreling? It's because of your desires, your lusts, uh, that you want to consume it on your own uh, desires. And he said, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. You ask for the wrong reason because you want to consume it on your own desires. So if we come before God and we ask and we, and we pray, and in James he was talking about prayer, but we can do the same thing. I'm, I'm linking prayer and fasting. We come to God in our fasting, and, we, and we're fasting so we can get this thing so it will make our life easier or it will please us or solve a problem with us. Then we're doing just like they were in James where they were praying and so they could consume it on their own lusts. And he called them adulterers at that point in time because they were wanting something so they could give it to their idol instead of to their husband who is God. And so uh, Jesus was warning against fasting for the wrong motive and then we see the wrong motives uh, illustrated. So if we pray or fast with a selfish desire, we're guilty of spiritual adultery. And uh, so we're asking God, to, to feed our idol instead of the glory of Christ, our own husband. So now I'm back where I thought I was. Uh, how should we approach fasting and prayer? And I want to use the, uh, the, the outline of the Lord's Prayer to help us as we think through that. 
and again in your outline uh, how should we approach fasting and prayer uh, I would say before God and for God and again in in the Lord's Prayer he says to pray like this our Father which is in heaven hallowed be thy name so our goal is to is to uh, is the sanctification the, the reverence for God and for his name so the glory of God is what we're after in our prayer lives and then he said thy kingdom come in other words we're wanting his kingdom to be present here on earth and his will to be done present here on earth so and that's a short outline but that that if we can do that with our prayer life and with our fasting then we have I think we lined up our motive with the purposes that God has in, intended for fasting and again we can fast for multiple things to strengthen our prayer to mourn for our sin to uh, to uh, to help someone else be delivered from a trial or a tribulation that they're in uh, for our own uh, problem when we run into a crisis. One of the books I was reading about fasting, uh, in fact, one of the authors was adamant that fasting is a temporary radical measure uh, and it's not something that we should enter into lightly and, and in a routine, legalistic way. Uh, so fasting is, is, uh, is intended to be out of the norm and, and, and we use it to reveal our own hearts and our own desires and to, uh, to help us to control those desires through the power of God. And I am getting away now. But remember uh, that, that fasting isn't something we work up ourselves out of our own strength. Uh, it's, it's, it's a help from God, but it's also a gift from God, just like prayer. Uh, we, we think that prayer is us initiating a conversation with God. The desire for prayer comes from God. He plants that desire in us. He will, he will give us a desire for fasting so that our goal with fasting is not to glorify ourselves and say, God, look at what I'm doing for you. It's thank you, Lord, for giving me the grace, the encouragement, the instruction, the admonition, the exhortation to, to fast so that you can get honor and glory from what I'm doing here. So again, just uh, a warning about, uh, about that, that we need to remember that God is the initiator. And I've got Philippians 2 there in Hebrews 13 to remind us. Uh, Hebrews 2, verse 13, he, he says, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling uh, for it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And over in, in Hebrews 13, he says something similar about what we're doing is the work of God in us. And we're praying to God to, to continue that work in us. So, again, fasting is no different than, than any other means of grace. We, we, uh, we cry out to God for help for it. He gives it to us. As a, as, a, as a good gift to us so that we can pursue him in a way that's pleasing to him. So we fast and pray because God gives us the desire and the grace to humble ourselves before him. And he gets the glory for giving us what we, what we don't deserve. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't know if I have, I don't think I have it over there on yours. Uh, Romans 11, 35 and 36 
basically says uh, something about not recompensing. We, we don't pay back God because he gives us everything for everything comes from him. He gets all glory. All the glory is due to him. It's from him, through him, and to him. And that's the way it is with, with fasting as well. And I, one of the books that I read was by David Mathis, which is uh, Habits of Grace, I think it is. And he said, he summarized it, and he said, Fasting is a helpful means of grace to focus our feelings and their expressions towards God in prayer. And in his usual style, Piper expands on that. He said, fasting, he calls her she, the hungry handmaid of prayer. She reveals the measure of food's mastery over us, or TV, or computers, or whatever we submit to again and again, to conceal our weakness of our hunger for God. And she, again fasting, remedies this by intensifying the earnestness of our prayer and saying with our whole body what prayer says with our heart that I long to be satisfied with God alone. And so prayer is a way for us to, to for our bodies to join with our lips, basically, in saying, God, uh, I, I, I like your gifts, but I want more of you. And remember what, where we started with this whole thing was, or at least where I started with, I don't know where you all joined me, but uh, is I was wanting a, a more help in my prayer life so that my prayers would be the fuel uh, for a devotion to God so that we would then, I would then be more ready to minister out of love and a selfless love and humility for others, which was back when, when Dan preached on, on Philippians chapter 2, uh, that to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then he was the one who humbled himself. But the earlier part of that in chapter 2 is about us placing others ahead of ourselves and serving others out of selfless love. Well, the way we do that is become enamored with God and what he's done for us. And so fasting is one of the aids that we can use to help us do that. And uh, so, so at this point, some of you might be saying, I knew most of this, but thank you for this encouragement. I can prove, improve my prayer life even more. Or some of you that are not quite as spiritual might be thinking, well, this sounds great, and it's an easy way to focus on God and help my prayer life. It reveals my weakness. It puts an edge on my affections. I like that. Let me add it. Or you could be saying, more like me, oh no, <laughs> now it's another thing that I know and, and I need to put it into practice. So how, how can I do that faithfully? So that's what I've laid out here next is, uh, is and I did, I, in my notes, I said I vacillate between the two, saying, yeah, I got this, I want to go do this. And I said, oh no, oh no another thing to do. Uh, but if we need to remember that fasting is a means of grace given by God, and it's, it's to be a help for our desire to draw near God and serve others of the overflow of our affection and our delight. So how should we start or continue? One of the things before we get into the how-tos is, is just remember uh, the warnings and cry out to God for help in humility. Uh, fasting is hard. Uh, it sounds simple, 
but that after you miss that first meal and you start getting hungry and you start rationalizing, well, I might die. You know, this is a bad thing. I might get a headache and then I'll snap at my wife and God, you wouldn't want that. So, uh, so I better end this fast early. So, so otherwise bad things are going to happen. So, so there are, there are, those things will start, <laughs> start creeping up in your mind before you, before you miss your first meal. I can almost guarantee it. So, and I know some of you, many of you have fasted already and you know what I'm talking about. And uh, again, I'm not setting myself up as having done this for a long time and, and, and I've got it down. Uh, but fasting can be, uh, it can be, it can be bad for us spiritually because we can, we can become proud about our willpower and our, and our strength of character and we can treat it like a legalistic thing like the Pharisee. He fasted twice a week. Uh, if you fast once a week, you might set yourself up and say, man, better than 75% of the people that I know, you know. So fasting, there's a danger in it, and it should line up with the rest of our life. And if it doesn't line up with the rest of our life, then there's a, that, that's an indication also that we're, uh, that we're doing it for the wrong reason, probably. So, uh, so the final, oh, I've got a final quiz too, but I'll, I'll get to that later. So how did we fast? First, we asked God for help. And, uh, and if you haven't fasted before, if you, it's been a while since you fasted, there may be some fear and anxiety there about can I do it, should I do it, uh, how should I do it. Uh, if we just embrace it as a help from God, a means of grace that's been ordained for our good, that will help. And ask God for help. And it's not legalistic ritual or a way to earn favor. And that is one of the dangers that, with fasting is we think we're twisting God's arm and we're really asking him for help uh, is what we're doing. And, and we're relying. It's just like, like everything else. When you say uh, the old story about the guy that was in a flood and he was trapped on the roof of his house and he kept... Uh, the helicopter kept coming by and he said, no, I'm calling out to God. I'm asking for God for help. I'm trusting God. And the helicopter go and come back. And finally, the, at the very last minute, the, I think he was rescued. I can't remember the end of the story. But basically, uh, God was sending the helicopter to him to help him. And he, was, uh, and he was waiting, spiritually waiting for God to do the work. So we, we shouldn't look at fasting as something we've ginned up to help ourselves or to make ourselves look good. It's a God-ordained means of grace for God to help us with our prayer life. So uh, consider fasting as a help when we need it for a specific purpose. And that's another thing to remember. We, we need to have a purpose in it. Otherwise, we're just getting hungry. And, and that doesn't help anybody. Uh, so I'm hungry right now. And it's not. <laughs> so, uh, so being hungry doesn't help you. So, so establish a spiritual purpose, and it might be for, I prayed one time, I fasted a long time ago one time for a friend of mine. I knew he was going into a situation which, which was dangerous for him uh, spiritually. And, and uh, <laughs> I remember uh, I was trying to fast all day, and, and uh, after I missed breakfast and after I missed lunch, I was praying, Lord, have him call me and tell me that he, that he, 
he made it safely through this so I could eat supper. <laughs> and the Lord was gracious. <laughs> but have a specific purpose uh, for your fast, even if it's something as, as uh, vague as, as I, I want a, more of a hunger for you, God. Because that's what you're going to focus on when you get hungry. When that first hunger pain comes or that headache or, or whatever it is, whatever uh, symbol, uh, whatever signal your, your body sends to you, uh, be ready to turn your mind to that. One of the guys I was reading said, don't think of white elephants. You know, don't, don't think about why you're hungry. Don't think about that you're hungry uh, or what you're going to eat when you're done. Uh, when you get that hunger pain, use that as a, as a signal to turn to God and ask for help for that particular purpose that you're fasting for. And, uh, and it, will, it will help. And if you're just beginning and haven't fasted before, uh, start slow. You can skip one or two meals. Uh, there's nothing that says that you have to skip three or four or five meals for it to be an effective fast. Uh, when you get hungry, turn your mind to God. That's an effective fast. And so it'll work. But drink plenty of water and break the fast gently. Uh, don't celebrate that you don't, you know, and eat a steak and and uh, and all the trimmings and dessert and bloat yourself up. So you 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 won't want to fast again for a while if you do that. And uh, and if you're going to do a long fast, uh, start right too. Don't eat a heavy meal uh, right before. Don't binge before you fast. It, you're, it won't be your friend later on in the fast. So, and limit your fast to one day if, until you're used to fasting, and have a and have a plan to what you're going to do when you're not eating. Again, if you don't have a plan and and take action on it, all you're doing is getting hungry, and that doesn't help anybody. And be considerate of others. You, you're fasting not to be seen of others. But being seen by others is not the same as fasting to be seen by others. So wash your face. Uh, tell your wife that you're going to fast. It is not you don't like the meal she made for you that night. Uh, and, and if you're going to be around coworkers, just be careful. Don't, don't. The motive is what matters. It's not whether they accidentally find out that you're fasting. So be considerate of others. And use the hunger pains to turn your signal, turn your mind to God and the purpose of the fast. And our goal is not winning the battle through willpower, but to focus on the eternal. And remember, uh, we can fast from any normal activity, not just food. So uh, those are the, kind of the how-tos of fasting. And, and again, it's something to use judiciously. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think it's necessary that we fast every week. I think many of the saints of old fasted once a week or once a month or once a quarter uh, in order to uh, remind themselves. Uh, but, but fasting is something we can use if we're uh, coming up on a big decision or a big event of some sort. Again, and we want to remind, we, wanna, we know ourselves, right? We know we're prone to wander. Our mind is prone to wander, and our bodies are prone to seek pleasure and, and comfort. So uh, if we have something that we need help with, particularly, fasting is a good way of doing that, reminding ourselves that, that, the, that the, the, good, the good giver is better than the good gifts. 
and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Uh, uh, I was reading in Hebrews this last week, and uh, Hebrews 11, he says that God, uh, those that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then the rest of chapter 11 talks about uh, that, that uh, Moses uh, was looking for the reward and thought that the reproaches of Christ were better than the, than the, uh, the riches of Egypt. And they were looking, the people uh, the, in chapter 11 were looking for a city uh, whose builder and maker was God. And they, were, uh, they didn't turn back to the old country. They were looking at the new country. The reward that we, that we get when we're praying and fasting is God himself. Uh, to get a communion with God and spend time with God. It's not the gifts that he's given us. It's him himself. And so, uh, final quiz. I'll, I'll help you with this. Our goal, at least my goal, was to fan my affections for Christ and to fuel my serving for others. So, what, what are the three aids that we've talked about to our prayer life now? What was the first one? The Word of God. And how do we get the Word of God meditation and what does meditation fuel then prayer life and it informs our our prayer life and then the second aid was a plan structure uh, and i gave you a lot of helps on that and again the one i like is the one that the simple one that randy put together praying with scripture or praying the bible because again the word of god informs our prayer life it informs our need and the need of others and you can look at, at the, the prayers of Paul. Paul, uh, maybe one exception, I can't remember him praying for, for physical needs. Uh, he was praying for spiritual needs for his people, that they would grow in grace and knowledge of Christ, that they would be filled with the Spirit, that they would walk worthy of him into all pleasing and being fruitful in every good work. So uh, the Word of God informs our, our prayer life and and, and through meditation fuels our prayer life. And then fasting. What does fasting do for us? Besides make us hungry. Yeah, it, it sharpens our affections for God, but it also reveals our, our desires. And when we get hungry, just think about it. I mean, you'll be hungry again tomorrow, right? The next day. Uh, you won't, you won't have this time uh, with God again. This time is going to be gone. So use the, if we fast, use that time profitably and, and use it to fan our flames of affection for God. And again, one last admonition here. Uh, this isn't meant to be a guilt trip. One more thing that you know, now know that you're not doing. And uh, we're in this together. So encourage one another. Uh, don't ask somebody where they're eating lunch today. They might be fasting. And I might, I might take an invitation to lunch today. <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's oh, I'm, I'm supposed to announce, Rod asked me to announce that there's a, a children's ministry meeting in the fellowship hall immediately after worship today. And we are celebrating the Lord's Supper today, so prepare your hearts for that as well. Uh, remind ourselves of what God has done for us through Christ. And uh, I'll give you a preview of that. The, uh, uh, 
the one thing that he's done that, that uh, has been on my heart lately is he's, he united us with Christ and he united us with one another. And so we're, we're a family. We're a family of God. And uh, we should have unity and love and serve one another. And so use your time uh, this week, uh, this day, to encourage one another on to love and good works. And are there any other announcements? Jason, did I forget anything? Okay, good. Let's, oh, Deborah. Yes, those of you that volunteered to help with the, with the counseling conference next weekend or this coming weekend, uh, the shirts will be around here somewhere in the, by the back door. They're not there, but there's an empty hanger there. There'll be shirts on there. Don't take mine. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your help, Lord, and for your mercies. Thank you for the means of grace that you give us, Lord. Uh, prayer and fasting and, and uh, structure, the encouragement one to another, uh, the exhortation that we give one to another, the, the preaching of your word, the teaching of your word, the meditation on your word, all of these things that you give us, Lord, so that we can uh, cultivate and fan our, our affection towards you. And I pray you'd help us today to delight in you and to delight in, in pointing people to you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.